film re-review horror movies directed by women identified directors, which prove that the female of the species is more deadly than the male. I'm your co-host Rachel, and joining me is the always lovely, the one and only Ariel. Hi. Hey girl, how have you been? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a little bit of a loaded question because I haven't yeah. been great, but I'm actually okay today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Any yeah. weird stories you want to share or is this this has not been a good weird story week? You know what? Nothing weird has happened, but I did scare myself again last night. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? Or not last night. I guess it was a couple nights ago, but I was home alone okay. and it was one o'clock in the morning. And okay. I decided to turn off all the lights and watch that new movie, The Banishing. Have you seen oh, that one yet? Oh, not yet. How is it? Okay. Eh. It has a really, really strong opening. And then it sort of goes downhill from there. Oh, no. <laughs> At least that was that was what I thought. Dang but it, anyways, That's what I've been really looking forward to. That's a bummer. It, okay. You know what? It might still be worth watching. There is this one character that reminds me of Vincent Price that I really oh. loved. And okay. <laughs> there is some really cool imagery. It's just the last little bit of it kind of gets convoluted and weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't have do a stellar that. ending. Yeah. 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 But anyways, I was in the middle of watching it and it was just getting to a really tense part. And again, I'm by myself and I hear somebody clear their throat right what? next to me. <laughs> oh, no. That's I, really creepy. <laughs> it was so creepy. I nearly jumped out of my skin. I was so like I was like shaking. I was like, oh my god, oh my god, what the fuck is that? It's okay. happening. All the movies I've watched are coming true. <laughs> right, right. Okay, it turned out that my weirdo dog was just grooming my cat and then had choked on some cat hair. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Ariel. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you're okay and that you weren't haunted by the ghosts of anything other than a hairball. <laughs> yep, yep, I survived. <laughs> Another brave tale of the saga of Ariel. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, all right. Well, we are going to be reviewing today a little movie called The Power, directed by Karina Faith. Now, this was a you pick, correct? Yes, yes. yes. Okay, awesome. Well, before we get into that, though, can you please let our listeners, if they are new to the pod, know what our spoiler policy is? Yeah, so we are going to give you some information about the director, and then we're going to get into our review, and we'll do a sort of general review at the beginning to let you know whether this movie is worth checking out, and then we will let you know when we start giving away spoilers, and at that point, everything's fair game. We'll talk about all of it. Yep. And I have lots to say about this one. I'm excited <laughs> to talk about it today. I know you uh, keep saying that, and I am now dying to know what your opinions are. So I'm, I'm surprised you don't too. know. You know me so well. I think I do, but the way you said it, so with such certainty, like, I feel so strongly about this. Now I I'm do like, feel hmm. very strongly about this movie. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Well, now, Eric, why did you decide on this movie? Well, it was new. Okay. <laughs> directed by a woman. Fair, and- fair. Good it just sounded the criteria. <laughs> it sounded good and creepy, and the fact that it was set in the 70s appealed to me. So, yeah. All right. Fair enough. Those all sound good to me. Well, tell me a little bit about Karina Faith and the production information behind this movie. All right. So, unfortunately, I don't have a ton of biographical information about Karina Faith and sort I'm of where serious. she... 
<laughs> what maybe her her life was like before she got into film. But she's from the UK and she has been in the industry for about 16 years. Wow. So yeah, it's super impressive. She started her career as a cinematographer and a producer and moved mm. into directing. And she worked first on documentary movies and series for television. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So okay. she actually didn't like doing that very much. She wasn't really happy doing documentaries. So that's why she decided to move into writing and directing dramas. And she started out with short films. But in 2005, she actually wrote and directed her first feature-length film, a drama called Ashes. And in 2007, she was nominated for Best Short Film at the BAFTAs for a short she wrote and directed. Nice. Yeah. So <laughs> she had a full-length movie under her belt, and she had won a BAFTA, but she really struggled to get any kind of financing for a second feature. She just mm. could not get it off the ground. Mm. <laughs> and in interviews that I read, she didn't go into detail about what had happened where she had maybe tried to get financing and was unsuccessful. But reading between the lines, it seems like sexist glass ceiling kind of stuff. Yeah. Does that play? Uh, that, that contextualizes this movie to a certain extent. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so like I said, The Power is her second feature-length film. She finally got the backing she needed for this one after it ended up as a 2018 entrant on the Brit list, which oh. I had never heard of before, but it's actually like the blacklist in the U.S. Got it. So, yeah. yeah. So for those of you who've never heard of that, it's essentially a list of unmade film scripts that have been floating around the industry and people feel should be made. And then each year it's voted on and compiled in the list. So she says that she has no idea how it ended up there, but, um, <laughs> but it worked I guess out I well Yeah, how do you submit something to the Brit list, right? right? Exactly. I don't think you do. Yeah. <laughs> so she had really wanted her next feature to be a horror film. She talked about how horror is so creative and that it's a great medium to really showcase your visual style. And there are also tons of technically challenging aspects to making a horror film. So she felt like it would be a good teaching tool for her. Mm, Interesting. And then something that we talk about all the time is that she was also drawn to horror because it's such a great way to talk about political or uncomfortable issues that audiences might shy away from when they're Mm -hmm. presented as straight dramas. Yep, that's true. I yeah, that's obviously that's something I've talked about at length about how one of the reasons I love horror so much is it is it is the way to lull people into a sense of security and then be like, bam, social justice message. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, and she said that she finds films that do that to be the most memorable. They're ones that stick Uh with her the longest. Yeah. So she actually started developing the power about six years ago. And the idea came mainly from two different places. So first, when she was thinking about writing this movie and sort of starting that process, there were all of these sexual abuse scandals in the news in the Mm -hmm. UK. I mean, obviously, that was happening here, too. So she said that there were all these abuses that had been going on for years that were finally coming to light after women had been silenced for so long. And so she really was thinking about that. And she said this in an interview with Variety. When Jimmy Savile and all the other abuse scandals were That's breaking. That's exactly what I was thinking of was the Jimmy <laughs> Savile. I was going to ask when you were done if you'd seen that documentary. But oh, yes, yeah. okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. So when Jimmy Savile and all the other abuse scandals were breaking, I just found it really, really sad and really upsetting. 
And this story came into my head as a response to that. Those silenced voices of people lost in the system felt like a ghost story in its own right. So those things kind of collided. Yeah. Yep. 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 If you don't know that story of Jimmy Savile, that shit is yeah. dark. Have it you sure seen the documentary is. about I that? I have not. I've read about it. But do I need to see the documentary? Is it good? I mean, it's really interesting because you see all the drawings and stuff of like that the little that the girls had done on oh, the walls. Shit. They find all this hidden art. Yeah, it's. Oh, it's OK. I'm going to watch that. It's really good. I mean, it's very it, the content is really dark and upsetting. And there's lots of, you know, interviews with them and stuff, but it's a really good true crime documentary. Interesting. It, you know, he was like a children's TV host. Right. I know. It's so upsetting yeah. to think about. Oh, yeah. Geez. Yeah. So she also said that thinking about this issue really, like she said in this quote, she connected that to a ghost story. And it also made her have this image kind of pop into her head of somebody sitting up in a hospital bed and reaching out. So that's sort of where the inspiration came from a bit. So the second part of the inspiration came when she was researching an abuse scandal from the 70s and came across a photo of a telephonist working by gaslight in the pitch dark during the blackouts of the mid 70s in the UK. And when she saw this photo, she knew she had found the setting for her ghost story. So I'm going to sidetrack us for just a minute to talk about the blackouts in the UK. Because yeah, yeah. If you're anything like me, you didn't really, weren't aware that this was a thing that had happened. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. <laughs> so no idea. When the movie starts, it tells you a little blurb about sort of what had happened, but I wanted a little more detail than that. So just really quickly, in the UK... Coal mining was a really well-paid job for many years, but in the 1960s, the pay had started to decline, and by the 70s, they were making 3% less than jobs in other manufacturing fields. Mm. So in the 1970s, the conservative government imposed wage caps, which started a dispute with the National Union of Mine Workers. And in January of 1972, this led to a walkout and then finally an official strike. Because of the strike... Fuel supplies began dwindling, and the government had to declare a state of emergency. So that meant that they started limiting electricity to homes and businesses, and it left many people without powers for up to nine hours a day. And commercial use was limited to three consecutive days of consumption each week, and they weren't allowed to work longer hours on those days that they could have electricity. And so that's why it was called the three-day week. Oh, wow. Even wow, TV wow, wow. companies had to stop broadcasting at 10.30 p.m. They just had to turn it off. That's so crazy that you, yeah. I mean, obviously it didn't happen here in the U.S., but that we never heard about this. And it's not ancient history. No, it's not. Not at all. Yeah. I wonder, this is my conspiratorial turn of mind. <laughs> Doesn't it feel like that's the kind of stuff they don't want people who want to lure unions to know? Yeah, because like it works. How much power <laughs> they actually power yeah. they actually do wield if you have collective action like that. That yep. feels like a weird suppression to me of yeah. information. Yeah, totally. And they they were on strike officially for seven weeks, and then they went into negotiations, were able to negotiate better pay, and then they went back to work. So exactly. <laughs> unionizing strikes all of that collective bargaining really works so yeah Mm -hmm. you might be right about that 
Yeah, I feel like the, it's like the Tenement Square, like right. of, you know what I mean. How nobody right. knows about that in China. That's that kind of kind of thing. I don't know if we can. I'm afraid the Chinese government will come after our little podcast if we leave that in. <laughs> leave it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So on a non-conspiratorial note, I was listening to some interviews that some various YouTubers had done with the director, and it actually seems like a fair number of people in England have never heard of this either. So That's interesting. That is not yeah. on a less conspiratorial I guess note. you're right. That's a That's more conspiratorial the, the plot <laughs> <But> thickens. <laughs> part of it might be that they only did this for about two and a half months, I think, before power was restored and the strike was over. So this wasn't something that people were dealing with ongoing for years, for instance. Still, God, we have such a short-term memory. Oh, I know. I know. I yeah, like that's actually such that's an inspirational story for people yeah. who want, you know. Yeah, because it worked. A... Imagine if the Amazon workers just all walked out. Stro- yeah, they just uh-huh. went on strike. Yep. They... <laughs> that would be the, the, the amount of power that they wield is immeasurable yeah you know when I was in junior high I think it was in the seventh grade I was going to school in Oakland and the Oakland public school teachers all went on strike Uh they did it a few times just for a couple of days and then they went on strike for six weeks Uh and I mean I thought it was great as a kid because I didn't have to go to school for a month and a half yeah but they got a lot of what they wanted out of it so, right. I mean, they're still public school teachers. I'm not saying that the world was perfect. Yeah, after that. they're not just making it <laughs> rain right now. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, God. But yeah, I, I do think it's so important to understand the collective power that you have. The yeah, background absolutely. of the strike of this really, I mean, this is all really resonating and things I'm going to talk about when we get into our review. But okay. that cool. that adds a whole nother layer. Yeah. <laughs> So given that this was the setting that she had in mind, she totally lucked out. There was a hospital in East London that had recently been closed. It had formerly been a psychiatric hospital. Oh, perfect. And because it had just been closed, she was able to use that as a location for the movie. So they filmed all of it in this hospital. And she was really set on having it in an actual hospital because she wanted something that had really long hallways Mm -hmm. and enough large spaces to be able to get the atmosphere she wanted of having all of this darkness with just lit up by candlelight or lamplight. Another way that she created that creepy atmosphere was with the score. So I don't know if you noticed that at all when you were watching. I wanted to go back and listen to it today, but I ran out of time. I do. I mean, this movie is incredibly atmospheric and I feel like music is always the underappreciated piece of that. You know, it's an underappreciated element in creating atmosphere. Yeah, totally. So the soundtrack for this was an unsettling score by EDM artist Gazelle Twin and Max DeWardner. Oh. And it was full of synths and eerie vocals. So she decided to go with a synth score instead of more historically accurate music because she wanted to create something that would really get into your skin. Yeah. And the musicians that she hired actually went to the hospital where they were filming and recorded sounds from the hospital, like squeaky trolley wheels from the carts and pill bottles shaking and things like that. And then uh-huh. they incorporated that into the score. Oh, I need to go back and listen to it. I do think it's interesting that it did not stand out to me as anachronistic. Yeah. So it must be pretty subtle. Yeah, I definitely think it is. I think it just works to create that mood and feeling, but it Mm -hmm. doesn't stand out as weird. 
Sense are the ultimate yeah. spooky vibe. No, I'm sorry. Actually, theremins are oh, followed no, by sense. totally theremins. Yes. <laughs> so fucking correction, real time correction. <laughs> One last really cool fact: she had a ton of women working on her crew. So her costume designer, her production designer, art directors, casting directors were all women, and her director of photography was Laura Bellingham, who was actually the DP for one of our favorites, Amulet. That's so cool. Yeah. (laughs) That is awesome. I love this idea that maybe there's a small collective of women that are developing kind of a film community. Yeah. I would be about that. Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, that's so cool. What a cool crossover. I know. And I mean, God... (sighs) content right Right. (laughs) we we have a wheelhouse (laughs) yeah (laughs) so for upcoming work she is actually working with netflix on a mini series called the cuckoo song now that's its working title i don't actually know what it'll be called when it comes out they haven't announced a release date for it yet but it's based on a ya novel by francis harding And she's going to write one of the four episodes. Okay. And it's about two warring sisters, one who is human and the other who is a monster, who have to reunite to reverse a supernatural pact that has gone wrong. Okay. Yeah. I'll watch that. That sounds good. So we'll just have to keep an eye out for it. Very cool. Cuckoo's Song. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of a cool name, honestly. I kind of like it. Yeah. (laughs) Because I feel like it definitely has some sort of thematic resonance that we are not getting. Right. I'm I'm sure. And I the novel it sounds like has won a bunch of awards and is very popular. So hopefully that means that she's getting paid. Yes. Yes. <laughs> get those co- get that bag <laughs> for you. <laughs> uh, so that's everything I have for Awesome. Me. That was really great. Thank you for the history lesson in particular. Obviously love hearing about Karina and the background of the thing, but I I think that having that historical context really does in some ways even more change the context and deepen sort of the thematic stuff of this. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. All right. Well, I guess we're to our non-spoiler review for those people who are still with us that want to watch this without spoilers. Do you want to go first or would you like me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. All right. So I'm just going to say this off the bat. Well, first of all, I got to know. Think? <laughs> did, did I like it or not? I think what do you, you liked think? it. I think you liked it. Incorrect. Oh, no. I freaking loved this movie. (laughs) I loved this movie. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I think it is beautifully acted, mysterious, like we talked about, atmospheric, but it's also super cathartic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think that it has really important things to say about the pain of the secrets that we keep and the <clears throat> power of solidarity, which again, like I said, the backdrop of this being about, you know, a collective bargaining union wielding its power and the power of their solidarity is really great layers of context for this. Uh, I just think it's also a really fun little ghost story. You know, we've mm-hmm. seen a lot of ghost stories and there's a lot of ghost story tropes. And I, a lot of times ghost stories start off very fun and mysterious and then kind of end with a little bit of a, like a, you know, fart noise. 
And (laughs) I actually think what this movie does so well is it does all of those things that you expect from a haunted house story, but then has a really killer ending. And really, in my opinion, sticks the landing. And of course, I love the period aspects of this, you know, the old <laughs> uniforms, the really almost kinky medical equipment of the uh-huh. hairstyles are great. And then uh, I love the setting, the very isolated feeling of the hospital. Really, it does really make you feel like you're in this little time bubble. And of course, I love that. You know, anytime that I can get immersed in a different time period is really interesting to me. One thing I want to talk, I don't know if she talked about at all about the diversity of casting. Yes. Okay, because that I'm very curious about. Because I was like, is this a situation where this is actually representative of what was happening there? And I just am making assumptions about what England would be like in the 70s? Or is this an intentional choice to include diversity? I'm happy to see it on the screen. But I just was curious of which of those two things it was. Do you have an answer to that? Yeah, so a little bit of both. She had gone into this knowing that she wanted to have a diverse cast. Mm -hmm. But when they were doing research for this movie, she did a ton of research about the East London area where the hospital would be situated. And in looking at photos and reading about it, she discovered that there was a very large immigrant population there Mm -hmm. and that the people that worked at the hospital actually were pretty diverse. Oh, that's cool. Okay, thank you. I, I was hoping that that was the case. I mean, we're talking about East London and it's the 70s. Right. So it's kind of in that transitional period of time where that could be accurate, but also, you know, there's some madman hairstyles in there that make me go, hmm, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's the, and her, her uniform is so old fashioned. It was a little, the movie is weirdly timeless and also extremely very much a product of its time. Right. Depending I mean, on who you're looking at. If you're looking at Neville, you're like, hello, 1973. <laughs> but if you're looking at, at Val, it could be the 1930s. You know what I mean? So it's it's very. Yeah. It's yeah. A, and because of the lamplight and the candles, it does yeah. give you that Victorian London feel, even though yes. you're right, the hairstyles and makeup and everything are very much the 70s. Yes. Yes. Ultimately, the best thing of all, I think, about this movie is the is Rose Williams's performances as Val. You know, hundred percent. Yeah, she switches back and forth between being very vulnerable and then also very menacing in a way that is very compelling, but also, you know, you find yourself really scared of what she may do, but also what she may do to herself. A lot of the tension is around her ability to present you with this kind of dichotomy and i think she really does a great job and then her physical performance oh yeah wow is really really incredible so yeah i think my bottom line my recommendation for this movie is absolutely go watch this movie see this movie i love this movie all right you (laughs) so i also really really liked this movie Yeah, I wasn't positive I was going to because sometimes things set in hospitals rub me the wrong way. They're not always my cup of tea. But this movie gripped me. Mm -hmm. I was totally invested. I think this movie looks fantastic. They obviously, the director did an amazing job and also did an amazing job in hiring the DP from Amulet because it worked in their favor. It's very creepy all of the darkness feels really oppressive 
And yeah, it just has such great atmosphere, mm-hmm. the great production design. Mm-hmm. I think that, like you were saying, Rose Williams is fantastic. She is Where so has good. Where she been? I don't incredible. know. She is fantastic. And I also think that the majority of the other actors in this movie are also really strong, too. They don't all have large roles, but I think that they're really good. So I also think that, like you were saying, this movie is a fun kind of ghost story and haunted house kind of a story, but it also has all of these layers of political stuff happening over the top of it about sexism and power dynamics that make the film much more interesting so that even though, and we can maybe talk about this a little bit in cons, although I don't have a lot, even though it does fall into some of those ghost tropes that you know so well, if you've watched a lot of horror movies, I didn't care as much as I would in other films because there was all this other stuff layered on top of it that was really interesting and different. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. it didn't bother me in the same way it might have had it been a straight ghost story. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, so I would definitely recommend watching this one. I think it's well worth your time. I do too, especially if you like a ghost story. If you want something that's like a gothic sort of ghost story and have been underwhelmed by a lot of them because, like I said, they don't necessarily, once you know the sort of twisty twist, they, there isn't really anywhere else to go. And this finds a way to continue to go places (laughs) once you know what's going on. (laughs) All right, cool. So that is it for our non-spoiler reviews. From here on out, everything is fair game. So if you want to dip, check it out. It's available on Shudder. I highly recommend you do because there are some twists in this. And then come back and hear our final thoughts, of which I have many. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, vamping, giving people time to find their phone and hit pause. (laughs) All right, I'm going to give you the synopsis. And again, there will be spoilers of this, so hopefully you are gone now. All right, so this movie is set in East London in 1973, as we said before, during a time when labor unions and the government were fighting and the economy was doing really poorly. All of this is very general, and now we have a lot more context. In an effort to save money, the city was having pla- is having planned blackouts. And it just so happens that this is also Val, a trainee nurse with a fear of the dark, first day at a local hospital. We learn that she was an orphan raised in a local children's home and wants to be a nurse because she believes in the connection between poverty and sickness. And there's a doctor there who she saw speak on the topic, who she is brazen enough to speak to, despite being told by the matron nurse not to. She gets caught doing this, and as punishment, she is forced to work the night shift, and she's terrified, but if she doesn't, she will lose her job. When the power goes out, she begins being attacked by an unseen force who possesses her and forces her to commit violent acts. As it turns out, she was chosen because she and the spirit, a young girl known as Dirty Gale, share an awful secret. They were both victims of sexual assault. Together, they get revenge on the people who hurt Gail and protect Saba, another young victim, from her perpetrator. Oh, it's so good! So good, so good! I love it! So good! (laughs) The end! Those were all my thoughts. Did you like them? Yeah, awesome. Awesome. (laughs) Super detailed. It was funny because my partner was in the room when I was watching it doing their own thing. And every uh-huh. once in a while, they would dip in and ask a question. And at the end, they were like, what did you think? I was like, it's so good. 
<laughs> but he couldn't tell because he would just see bits and pieces and be like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> anyway, so I went first on the non-spoiler review. So why don't you go first with our spoiler review? What did you think of this movie? So again, I really like this movie. One of my favorite things about it, as we said, is the great atmosphere. I think mm-hmm. that the darkness combined with those lanterns and candles make everything so creepy. I'm not really afraid of the dark, but watching her walk down these hallways that are pitch dark and only have this little bit of light surrounding her is fucking creepy. Yeah, it's so yeah, creepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, that yeah. hospital is huge mm-hmm. and decrepit. You know, it's it's clearly been not well cared for and is falling apart, and it just makes it even more creepy. And the hospital is just so cold feeling, you know, there's no warmth in that hospital at all. No, it's crazy how often things are just empty. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think because of that, because of the darkness, because of how large and empty it is, you really feel Val's vulnerability in that Mm -hmm. situation. Also how maze-like it is. Yes, exactly. And it's her first day. She has no idea how to get around this place. And it's such a huge maze. Mm-hmm. I love the staircase in that, too. When they yeah. show her in the dark looking up and down the staircase, it's ugh, creepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you'll talk about this more, but I think the costumes are really great. And so is the hair. <laughs> it's very. Oh, my gosh. Babs's the hair period. is amazing. <laughs> I was just like trying to reconstruct it. I was like how do all these pieces come together? And I was trying to think, what was her hair and what wasn't? I'm like, mm. uh-huh. there's definitely a fall in there somewhere. Okay. But I'm like, okay. how much of it is actually just her hair teased? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and can you recreate it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. It was like in a sci-fi movie where you pause and then all the elements come together and get pulled apart. <laughs> that was what was happening in my head. There was a very advanced <laughs> diagram with lines and and 3d projection so the (laughs) (laughs) this is why you're the wig cop (laughs) this is why i'm the wig cop for sure for sure there was actually not that many wigs in this i have to say oh okay yeah yeah the hair was pretty pretty good overall i think maybe val was the only one who had a wig although i i think i'm not sure about val had a wig not val i'm sorry babs oh okay babs yeah i think some of it was her hair and some of it was period accurate additional yes fall pieces that you use to create the volume Okay. Okay. Good to know. (laughs) Um, And although the nurses' costumes look really old-fashioned, they actually aren't. So my mom is an RN, Mm -hmm. and she went to nursing school and graduated in 1974. So did she have the wimple-looking head thing? (laughs) So she didn't. She had a normal nurse's cap. But she went to school at a Catholic nursing school, Mm -hmm. and all of her instructors wore that exact cap. It's so architectural, and then like, and and such a a, from a different time period, even than when this was shot. Yes, that again, it's it's this blending of. 1970s and 1870s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which totally lends itself to this gothic ghost mm-hmm. story. It, I mean, it fits so perfectly. With that and her creeping through the dark with her little oil lamp. Yes, is, exactly. Is classic gothic ghost story, which I love. I love a, a classic gothic ghost Oh, me too. Ghost. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do. I think that combining these two elements of this blackout with 
the hospital and the ghost story was really brilliant on the director's part. I mean, it gives you just so much instant atmosphere and backstory. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty great. So the other thing we talked about is the physicality of Rose Williams' performance. Oh, baby. It is amazing. Apparently, those possession scenes, they choreographed as though it were a dance. Uh-huh. But then the director said that she was struggling a little bit because they had broken it down sort of the way you would choreograph dances and that it was getting a little too tricky. So they just sort of let her go with it. Oh. <laughs> and what they got is pretty fantastic. I mean, we yes. have seen a lot of possession movies, right? And mm-hmm. you often have women creating these shapes with their bodies. But I feel like she did it in a new way for me. There's a moment where she arches her back yes. from her knees. And it is. I mean, I, obviously, it's not CGI enhanced, but it almost looks like it is. It does. And when she's got her arm wrenched behind yeah. her with her wrist bent at that weird angle. Yes. It's very creepy. And you can feel that she's like almost breaking her bones, you know? It yeah. feels like she's struggling against this force. And then the fact that they added sort of her skin almost turning a little bit purpley and foaming at the mouth like mm-hmm. she wasn't breathing correctly. It was very effective for me. Mm-hmm. So I think all of the possession scenes are super impressive. Yes, I agree. And then where this movie really shines are two things. One, I do have a couple little problems with the ending that we'll get into, but oh, I think okay. But I think it's a very cathartic ending like you were saying. Yeah. And I think that after the length of time you spend with Val, you need that. <laughs> right. You really needed that catharsis at the end of the movie. And sometimes you don't get it or it's subpar, you know, or kind of like you were saying, peters out a bit. And this one I felt like successfully landed that part of it. Yeah. But for me, where this movie really shines is in the subtler ways that the theme comes across. Mm-hmm. So... There's so much here going on about, you know, sexism, where the the doctors have so much power and are misogynists. And I think that it's not as though we've never heard that talked about before, but I really like the way this movie handles some of these issues. So one of the ways you know this is happening in the hospital is there's a scene where a group of doctors are standing around in a hallway talking and they're blocking off almost the entire hallway. Yeah. And she has to crowd against the wall to go around them because not a single one of them will move out of the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so it's, it's things like that that I thought were just so spot on and subtle and allowed you to know what was happening without saying everything out loud. There's a scene where... They're in an elevator and a custodian tries to reach under Val's skirt. Yeah. And she bats him away and nobody in the elevator even looks at her. Nobody says a thing. Nope. You know? So one of the other great topics that this movie covers is how having all of this power at the top affects the people down below. Right. Mm-hmm. And that there's mm-hmm. all of this horizontal hostility between the different nurses. Yeah. They treat each other badly in an attempt to hang on to little tiny bits of power. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Right. Yes, yes, yes. And we see that both from the matron, mm-hmm. the way that she treats the women and especially Val when she comes in. 
we see that between the nurses and the way they talk to Val. Mm -hmm. We see it with Babs, the way she is so hostile and angry with Val because she thinks she's been flirting with the doctor who Babs thinks is her ticket out of poverty, right? right. And out of having to do a job that she hates. Mm -hmm. So I thought, I thought that was all really, really good. And I almost wish they had done even more with that. But I love the more, like I said, the subtle, nuanced mm -hmm. way that this was woven throughout an entire movie that's about ghosts and possession. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's so good. And there's a lot about classism and racism in there, too. I mean, Val gets called a racial slur at one point, And the matron talks about the poor being living like animals, right? Mm -hmm. And even though they are working in a hospital that services a poor, diverse community, mm -hmm. there is no heart and no feeling or empathy towards the people that you are literally serving and yeah. attempting to help. But again, it's just said in a couple little lines here or there, you know, and sort yeah. of a feeling throughout the movie. And that's, that's a big part of what I loved so much about this. Yeah. I, I think part of what I really liked about this movie is a lot of what you're talking about here. First being just that it was not at all what I expected when I went mm -hmm. into okay. it. Mm -hmm. Like, I thought this was going to just be ghost in the hospital. You know, maybe yeah. we're going to find out some people were experimented on and they're chasing her around the dark. So I wasn't really expecting as much of an emotionally impactful story as I got and that it was ultimately about power and sexual assault. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like you said, class and power dynamics and how all of those things weave together to become institutional power. Mm -hmm. So I thought this was actually a much more nuanced story than I was expecting, you know, and I think it comes down to this idea that it's really about systemic power. Um, right. And I, I love the way that it's called the power and it has so many meanings. I know. <laughs> like, it's really clever. <laughs> obviously, the most obvious interpretation is that it's literally that the power is going out, right? right. <laughs> and then there's also a supernatural power at work that's pursuing her. Those are the kind of the obvious things. And then, like you said, we get into the power dynamics in the hospital itself that, you know, the nurses are at the bottom to the point where they're not even allowed to speak to the doctors. You know, and then we see the, the matron who is very intent on holding on to her power you know she works yes. really hard for these crumbs and she's not yep. ready to give them up and she's afraid she's gonna lose her power because her position might be eliminated and how she uses that little bit of power she has when she feels like she's been undermined to to punish val and you know we of course we see the power dynamics between like you said between the nurses we see them between babs and val we see them between Babs and Neville, which is really interesting. And Bab yes. even talks to her about how, you know, never let anyone get something on you in this hospital because they'll always use it against you. Everybody is constantly vying for power, scraping to get more power, wielding power over one another. It, it, and it, like you said, it starts at the top and works its way down. And it, it creates this culture where there is no allies amongst one another because everybody's fighting for that little piece of power. I will say I did really, she's not a, a likable character, but she's the realest character I've ever seen in a freaking ghost story ever. The nurse who's reading Carrie and when shit gets spooky, she's like, peace <laughs> I'm out. out. Bye. <laughs> and she's gone and she's, that's it. It's a wrap. <laughs> I was like, this is the most realistic character I've ever yeah. seen in one of these movies. <laughs> 
yeah, but then obviously it gets into deeper things. In our final twist, we find out that the power is also referring to sexual assault and the way that its power is used to systemically cover up sexual assault. Yeah. And of course, the way that wielding power is an element of sexual assault. When we finally get that scene down in the, the basement and he's just like, you're going to do what I'm going to say. I have all the power here. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God, on every single level, like the hospital itself. It's just the deeper you get, the darker it gets. And the new take we have on the concept of power is revealed, which I thought was really, really cool. But all of that is really dark until you get into the other side of it, because I also think that this movie is about how solidarity can help you reclaim your power. Mm -hmm. You know, the ending is so satisfying for me, because we see this combination of women and girls who are yeah. nurturers, protectors, avenging angels, innocent victims, all, who when they all come together, when they all believe each other and listen to each other, they create a powerful whole, one that can even topple systemic power. And, you know, woe be it to anybody who crosses them once that they've come together <laughs> it's just super super cathartic yeah the agreed. other thing i think is so great about this is that one of the many theses in this movie is that the opposite of power is not believing victims when you do not believe victims you are actually seeding your own power you know babs is weak because she doesn't listen she didn't listen when they were kids she didn't believe when they were kids and and you know Val was experiencing sexual assault from the headmaster at their orphanage, and she doesn't believe her to this day. And what that does is it leaves Babs on an island. It leaves Babs in a position where she could be exploited by the men in this hospital. Yeah, that's so the true. That's the opposite point. of power is believing one another. So I think that is a really powerful statement that this movie <laughs> makes. Yeah. <laughs> And then you pair that with what is honestly, I think, a solid ghost story that is has a handful of really creepy, spooky doogie moments. You know, Val being attacked by the ghost or when she's possessed and little things like waking up with blood on her hands and not knowing what she's done. I think it's all really effectively chilling stuff. So, yeah, that is a good scene. Or when she stabs herself with the scissors. Yes. I mean, the whole thing about carving listen into her stomach. And yeah. I mean, all of that stuff is, it's great. And and the Saba stuff I thought was really powerful too, you know? Mm -hmm. Obviously, I think this movie looks great. Love the period design. You know, I love that the hospital is giant, basically one giant maze. There's some color coding on the floors. But other than that, you know, you really never know where you are. And even if you knew where an exit was, there's a good chance it's going to be locked. Right. So it, it really is more like a prison than it is a hospital. And I think that really lends to the sense of hopelessness and helplessness that Val is, is experiencing. That she really only finds her power when she opens up her mind and listens to this other ghost. And yeah. Oh, gosh. And then one last thing about the set design. That mural in the ch children's ward is oh. so spooky. It really is. Where the nurse has been scratched out and they put the poster over the top of it to cover it up. Yeah. yeah. I really liked how over the course of the movie, this cheerfully in the most sinister way mural basically had all the clues to the central mystery. Yep. The more you looked at it, the more you realized, Oh, this is 
this mural is telling the story of this movie and it made me think a lot about midsummer and how that basically laid it all out there for you to piece together i think if i were to watch it a second time i'd really want to get a really closer look at that that mural because i do think it's all pretty much there the other thing is is the use of all the report sexual assault signage that's in the hospital which is you know paired with how it's actually being responded to and just you see this since the emptiness of these messages it's kind of subtle because it's kind of putting those ideas in your head but it also is counter to everything that the culture of this hospital actually presents is really interesting Mm -hmm. it's another piece in how it describes how this hospital works as such a boys club there is the part at the end where rose is calling and threatening the yeah the top muckety muck at the hospital and he's sitting there in his office and he's surrounded by these four portraits of other male doctors presumably who came before him looking down on him and it really just communicates the sense that of this institution and how deeply entrenched historically it is in patriarchy and misogyny and it's just this perfectly subtle but obvious visual cue (laughs) so yeah, I think there's a lot of really great use of the setting and set design that really supports and reiterates the themes of this movie. Yeah, and then just from a haunted house perspective, I know that in a lot of haunted house movies, one of the ways we show that it's haunted is with black mold, right? Right. And this movie does that, but I actually really like the way they did it here where it was on the vent grate. Oh, I think it's it's ash, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is ash, but I'm mm-hmm. just, it's the same essential concept, right? Mm-hmm. Of this like black, usually it's ooze or mold or whatever, but it's always black. But I really liked how it floated through the air. Yeah. And you saw it more when she was being possessed, where it would start floating through the air. I thought that was a really cool look. Because it would leave her smudged yes, with the ashes. Stained. And mm-hmm. this whole thing about they called her dirty and soiled, yeah. and this was dirty Gale. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, lots of reinforcing with set design yeah (laughs) Yeah. totally yeah and then obviously performances across the board chef's kiss everybody's great really loved comfort comfort was the only nice person in the whole i know except for saba (laughs) (sighs) yeah she was i felt bad for comfort when she was crawling away with her broken legs i I was like i mean at least she got out though that is true i'm glad she survived the night she deserved it yeah because she was trying to protect saba and the babies you know yeah yeah oh my gosh when the babies were crying and then she went into her fugue state it's like don't kill the babies because <laughs> at that point we don't really know what's going on yet uh-huh. and she just wakes up covered in blood you're like no not the baby oh you were worried about the baby see i wasn't worried about them because the movie didn't feel mean enough for that, that i didn't is feel true. like that kind of movie that's you know? true that it, it really i mean it is and it isn't but yeah i know what you mean i know what you mean how about you did you have any more pros or do you you said you had some some cons yeah, I have a few cons. Okay. <laughs> Let's hear them. <laughs> I have a feeling you might disagree with me on these. Okay. But nothing is is huge about it. Friendship over. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm, I'm I actually like here. If we can I w- survive at Cemetery, we can survive anything, Rachel. <laughs> that is true. I mean, we barely made it through. I, it's a little traumatic and triggering that you brought it back up. <laughs> I'm actually curious to hear what you're... I feel like I'm so on board with this movie that I'm not being very critical about it. So sure. I'm interested to hear hear what your what your thoughts are, what didn't work for you. Okay. So I think that the ghost possession part of this movie is actually fairly predictable. 
I think yeah. that it follows all the normal tropes, you know, even down to the ghost using somebody with similar trauma as their, you know, host to enact revenge. Like we've seen that a lot in movies before. And I think that you can tell who the bad guy is probably about 15 to 20 minutes before the movie actually tells you who it is. Oh, really? So I'm dumb. <laughs> <laughs> like no, I didn't, not. I didn't get it. I got I think like what, right I do before that she uncovered. when I get really wrapped into it, it wrapped yeah. up into it. So maybe that's I did love the reveal though, where she's erasing the drawing and then yeah. you see the doctor. It's underneath. a good reveal. I, yeah, <laughs> I agree. Yeah. That's a that is a good way to do it. And you know what? I felt like he was really creepy when he was still trying to be sickly sweet. You know, uh huh. Uh-huh. I thought he was a little less creepy when he was actually angry. Mm, just okay. the actor himself i felt like did a better job when it was sort of this seething thing underneath the surface you know and he okay. was faking it so yeah the, like i said the ghost story stuff i think is fairly predictable and as i said in my earlier review i think that had you not had all of this other stuff layered on top of it that i think is fantastic i don't know that i would have liked the movie that much because i think that there are some really creepy atmospheric things going on. To, actually, not liking it that much is unfair. I think uh, it would have been a little harsh. <laughs> it does like, sound harsh. It does sound folks, harsh. I guess. No, no, I then <laughs> sorry. I didn't mean it to be that harsh. I guess what I mean is, I think it would have been slightly less successful for me because mm-hmm. I think that the atmosphere is so great of this dark hospital. But I do think when you actually see the ghosts, it's not that creepy. I think that that is a little bit less successful for me. And and like I said, just falls so in line with so many tropes that it didn't work as well. When it's just about this building tension of the atmosphere, that is really great. I also think that the possession scenes are are really fantastic. But I think the actual ghost elements aren't as successful. The other thing is... I didn't ever worry about Saba and the babies, I think, the same way you did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I didn't actually think there was any chance that anything was going to happen to any of them. And so, for me, the scares were less impactful because mm. of that. Okay. The last thing I will say, and I think this is where we're really, really going to differ. Mm, where are you <laughs> going, Sister Flitch? Okay. In the very ending bit, when she lifts up into the air, I think it looked pretty cheesy. Oh, okay. I think it was a little hokey. Mm, okay. <laughs> I mean, that, that sounds like a personal taste thing. Like, <laughs> if it didn't work for you, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. But you're wrong. That's what you no, want. No, no, no. I mean, I liked it because I felt like it was the culmination of her power. Because she was like, let's do this together. And that once she yes. did... So for me, all the messaging behind it mm-hmm. made perfect sense and was very cathartic. I just think the actual execution of it read a little cheesy to me. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So so that's my other. The only other thing is that I think that what was subtext through the whole movie definitely becomes text in those last 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I know it's so funny because you quoted this line earlier where the doctor says, I don't have to listen to you. I have power here. And I wrote that down in the con section. Oh, I mean, listen, if it didn't work for you, it didn't work for you. (laughs) It just felt like we already knew all of that. And I didn't need him to say it out loud that way because we've already established all of that. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. 
So anyways, that that was it. But again, I still would recommend the movie because the acting, the atmosphere, the great themes, all of that, it makes it well worth your watch and your time. Yeah, I really liked it. I think that that's probably not going to work for everybody. I honestly was just like so on board with Val's transformation from being incredibly meek to just radiating with power and Mm -hmm. that I was just yeah yeah give it all to me (laughs) (laughs) I can respect that totally fine with it I get it (laughs) she almost becomes like I said an avenging angel that's what it Mm -hmm. feels like to me it's not so much that a ghost is lifting her up is it's like as a character arc she has become you know what I mean so but yeah I'm not mad at it to me it just looked a little cheesy well, you're wrong. No, I'm okay. Just I'm just kidding. <laughs> like I said, it's personal taste. I'm not going to tell you if you like something or yeah. didn't like something. Yeah. You're wrong. Uh, but I think it's going to, It's maybe that's a divisive scene and that people are going to fall on one side or the other of it. And that's okay. I think ultimately we're on the same page that it's a good movie and you should watch it though. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Okay. okay, cool. All right. We're still friends. Reunited. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Did you have any cons or was it just all pro for you? I mean... I think the con that you have that I most was like, mm, fair, is that it does really tread into some familiar territory. And it's not that we've never seen hair pulled or a dress pulled or someone contort their body. It's to me, what elevates those things, which are sort of tropey, is that what what they're actually saying and the way that they're employed. Sure. And I think the added significance, when you see them at first, you're like, ooh, that's creepy, but I've seen it before. But then when you understand the context of what the shapes her body are making actually means, that it retroactively, to me, brings a freshness to it. Yeah, I can see that. That's just, that's how I feel about it. That's my (laughs) opinion. (laughs) Still friends, right? Right? Oh, forever. Forever and ever and ever. All right, cool. So... I guess that is it for our review of The Power. Like I said, it's on Shudder. So if you are curious to check it out or want to watch it again with after hearing all of our thoughts about it, you can check it out there. We don't have any listener mail this time. So no no news yet about your friend, whether or not she took I actually dates. did get a little news, though. You did? Mini, <laughs> I got a mini update. Ooh, oh, so, oh, oh. Let's fit it in right here. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what, how's that going? So I'm going to pull up my text messages. Hold yeah, on. Yeah, pull it up. screen grabs receipts (laughs) Receipts. (laughs) okay so she listened to the episode and really enjoyed it she (laughs) she said especially the part where you talk about me (laughs) (laughs) that's honest (laughs) (laughs) all right so she said that we were very sweet and she plans to give the first movie on our list a try Okay. She did say, though, that The Ring and Insidious are hard no's. <laughs> she says that now. <laughs> I know. We may change her mind. But what she said is, I've got all the spoilers on those and know for a fact that they aren't for me. But she did say that she'd be willing to work up to Poltergeist. So I feel like that's a step in the okay. right direction. The thing is, is, once she gets to Poltergeist, it's not that much of a leap to go to, to Insidious or The Ring. Very, very true. So I think once she has gotten through it and she's okay, yeah, I think you're ready for the Wanniverse, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually we'll get you to like Sinister. 
Oh boy. <laughs> that was a little more violence. So that's why I'm I'm not I, didn't I think we'll have there. to very, very slowly creep our way up to those ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying these leaps are smaller than she thinks. If she can once she gets to poltergeist, yeah, she's that's be, true. She's gonna it's be ready gateway. for any non violent spooky joint. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm very excited and she said that she would write to us as soon as she's watched Housebound. Nice. All right, cool. Uh, I await. All right. You got two weeks. TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> Let's make it happen. I demand an answer. Okay. All right. If, like Sarita, you uh, want to get in touch with us, you can drop us a line at rachel at zombiegirls.com. You can come chat with us over on the Zombie Girls Facebook page, or you can follow us on Twitter at ZG Podcast. And if you like the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. If you're looking for something to watch tonight, you know what I'm going to say. Check out our video on demand calendar and streaming service calendar over on the Zombie Girls website. If you're a huge nerd like moi, you can watch me play video games with the other zombie girls occasionally at twitch.tv forward slash zombie girls. If you want to rock some sweet ass duds, you can check out our T Public store at tpublic.com forward slash zombies dash girls dash podcasts. And if you're like, damn, this podcast is amazing and I need more of it in my life, you should totally support us on Patreon at patreon forward slash zombie girls because we have extended episodes bonus episodes all kinds of goodies over there you definitely want to check that out you can also hang out with us on our discord behind the velvet rope curtain i don't know whatever that is (laughs) yeah you can you can see what we say to each other (laughs) and And we have a lot of fun on there it's really do have a lot i really wish the rest of the internet was like our discord right it's full of people that i like Talking about things that I'm interested in. <laughs> <laughs> so you basically wish the world would design the inter- internet for you and you alone. And my friends. <laughs> me and my friends. Jeez. Wow. Wow. This podcast is taking a turn today. All right. Whatever. All right. Let's talk about what we're going to do on the next episode. That is if we're still friends by then. <laughs> All right, so our next movie, let me know if you've even heard of this. It's pretty new. It's called Bloodthirsty. I have only heard about this because it is oh, the oh, right, right, Google right, Doc right, where you right, keep track right, of all the movies. <laughs> but I don't know anything right, about so it. This one is so directed by Amelia Moses, and it is uh, this is another Toronto director. So I'm wondering if she'll know our deep friend oh. of the pod, director of Slacks. What do you think? yeah awesome. anyway all right so this is about uh, a woman named gray so gray is an indie singer who's having visions that she is a wolf when she gets an invitation to work with a notorious music producer vaughn daniels at his remote studio in the woods she begins to find out who she really is oh cool you're really into the werewolf i don't i don't i'm not doing it on purpose it's just like <laughs> how it's come i mean i Things feel like happen. there's trends in horror right and i feel like Maybe yes. the outcome of the post Me Too world is all about women kind of finding their power and finding their anger and, you know. Yeah. So I wonder if maybe yes, that explains absolutely. why we're getting this influx of uh, werewolfy movies. Yeah, I can see that. I will tell you this thing has 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh, okay. Now so I'm I mean, really that doesn't excited. guarantee anything. But no, but it's a good sign. It's a good sign, right? Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm excited about this. So yeah. Stay tuned. Check that out. It is currently on video on demand right now. So you can definitely get your hands on it in the next couple of weeks before we review it. All right, Ariel. 
do me a solid. Oh, oh, I should tease what we're going to do in the extended episode. So this is it for this episode. But unless you are a patron, if you want to stick around, you're going to get to hear us talk about other spooky horror movies that we like take place in haunted hospitals. (laughs) All right, now, for real this time, Ariel, take us out. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We had a really good time talking about the power. We hope you guys enjoyed it, too. And we'll be back here next time for some werewolfy goodness. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And to my co-host and good friend, Ariel, for always teaching me something new. Production on this episode was done by yours truly and edited by Ariel. Our theme song for the show is More Deadly by DJ Chardonnay.